Welcome to the Powerlifting and Power Ballads podcast, where we bring you a weekly dose of powerlifting news, tips, and training advice with a touch of 80s rock ballads. This podcast is presented by Team Roar Powerlifting, your source of the most comprehensive coaching and meet day preparation. Here are your hosts, Josh Roar and Laura Sturm. Welcome to episode 121. Wow, Josh, 121 episodes. Yeah, we must really not have any lives. <laughs> Nothing else to do. Uh, so what's going on in the powerlifting world? Uh, yeah, so Joe Joe sent me a message, Joe House, after we talked about his meet last week. And I talked about how he ended up going up to go for the state record deadlift. That was actually the national record deadlift, apparently, for USPA. Oh. So he broke that. Not, it wasn't the state record. So I stand corrected. Dude. I apologize for uh, short changing you on the accolades there, but that was, uh, a national record that Joe broke. So, yeah. So yes. So that was a national record, not a state record. So sorry, Joe, I apologize, but, uh, either way, proud of you, man. So Josh, it's, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time in the city. No singing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, it is. So I was thinking about this. What is, uh, what are some of the top gifts that you have gotten in your lifetime? We'll go top three. How about that? Top three. Um, so, uh, my number three would be a 10 speed bike I got when I was like 10 or 11 and I just drove the hell out of it for the next, like, until I got a car, which was amazing. I loved my 10 speed bike. Number two present was the Barbie, 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 Barbie. I got this opera house when I was like four and the the bad part is it was what my sister asked for. And really all I cared about was that when I opened the, it was a huge box and it looks so epic. And I actually have a picture of this moment where I was just like, oh, it's big and pink and beautiful. And I'm so excited. And my sister's looking at me like, motherfucker, that was what I asked for. <laughs> and I have this picture. My sister framed it and uh, gave it to me. <laughs> which is amazing so um, is that is that your number one present then now? that was my the, number the, two the, no the the picture oh, the, that, your, the picture. that your sister framed of that <laughs> um well no because my number one present has to be my daughter's arrival because she she was uh due uh the day after christmas so i was like oh this is the best christmas gift ever except it ended up being a um day after new year's present. <laughs> uh. So she was late, but I'd still have to say my daughter was the best one. Yeah, well, that's a good answer. I guess I can't argue. I'm you like, can't. Well, you sure the bike wasn't better? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we had a rough year or two with like t- teenage years. So, so yeah, maybe the bike was better. <laughs> no, no. Definitely Amanda, not. if you're listening, we're just kidding. Yes. Yes. She's still my number one. Gotcha. So Josh, what were yours? Yeah. So mine, mine, I think my number three, I got a radio controlled truck when I was like, I don't know, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there from my grandma and grandpa. And my parents still have it at their house and it still works. No way. Um, Yeah. But I used to, and this thing was little, it was only like, I don't know, like a foot long, maybe like six inches high. It wasn't real big, but the thing had some power, man. I used to hook it to my radio flyer wagon and sit in the wagon and pull myself around 
uh, the farm with this little truck. Wow. That's it, really it, cool. It only, well, so it only, it only went on the sidewalk. It didn't go like off-roading. So like we had, we had a pretty long sidewalk, like around the barn and stuff. Um, so I used to ride that around, but the problem is it, it you know, it didn't have, it would slowly get you moving. So I was like, mm. like if you're going to push a real truck in the parking lot, like you don't just go from zero to 60 right away. Right. You got to start pushing and it slowly starts moving. Well, that's what happened with this thing. Like, you know, it would slowly start moving and I'd pick up speed, pick up speed. The downside was the thing couldn't stop you when you got going. So you had to pretty much bail if you got like to the end. Uh, so that was kind of fun. So that was my number nice. three. Uh, my number two was probably, I don't know, probably in my twenties, somewhere in there. Um, another radio controlled gadget. It was a little mini helicopter, but my grandma and grandpa got these again, but they got them for myself, my cousin, my brother, and my grandpa. So we had four of them. So of course we were flying them around the, the living room, racing them like, and everybody else is just like trying to dodge us the whole time. So we enjoyed ourselves. Everybody else was very annoyed. But I still have that helicopter as well. Uh, the number one for me would be a 10-speed bike. I, I was somewhere around 10, I don't know, when I got that. And it, it, it was brought by Santa. And I still don't know how it happened because there was a, there was a note. That, so there's a present that I opened. It just had a note that said, it's, uh, there's a surprise in your room. Well, I literally came down from my room to open presents and then opened that. And then when I went back upstairs, there's a 10 speed bike sitting in my, right next to my bed. And I still, to this day, cannot figure out how that, how that transpired because there was no in between time. Like I literally got out of bed, came straight down. We opened presents and one of them said, go upstairs to your room for a surprise. I did. And it was sitting there. It's um, one of your parents lurking outside your room as you were leaving. You mean looking for Santa? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure what you're trying to imply there. <laughs> but anyway, um, so no, they weren't. I, I, I legit don't know how. I don't know how that happened. Hmm. So... That's what made. That's the reason I still believe in Santa Claus. That's the only. That's the only logical the magic of. It's the only logical explanation I can come up with. The magic of Christmas, right there. Yep. So that's my number one. Yeah. So um, we have a um, a multiple choice question next for um, for our listeners. See, wait, because the answer is always C. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they say statistically it's C more times than anything else. So if you don't know, you truly don't know the Just odds are in your favor to, to go for C, but mm. I feel like test takers or test writers know of know this, that. So right. they would start deviating from that, but mm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I, True story. <laughs> just like normal, well, I derail kind of, this whole podcast. Go ahead. Yeah. The awkward conversations. Um, so last week we were talking about, you know, uh, things that power lifters should be able to do and, you know, um, some different variations to include in training and such. And uh, this is a little takeover from last week. So here it is. All power lifters um, or those who are training for strength should be able to 
here's the choices. A, perform five push-ups. B, sit in the bottom of a squat for five plus minutes. C, push knees out past toes while squatting. D, all of the above, question mark. E, anything else? This is an odd question to me because I can, I can make an argument or, or against oh, all of them, probably. Yes. <laughs> so it's and really a discussion point. How's that? It's not really a question. So I think it's I think all of these would be benchmarks. I don't like the wording of should be able to, because I think if you're a person that's never worked out before and you look at these and you're like, I can't do any of those, I guess I shouldn't be lifting weights. That would be mm. my argument for for not agreeing with any of these. Uh, now I think they are a very good minimum standard that I think people should shoot for. So I would say maybe we should say that we should all strive to be able to do these things, but to say that all power lifters should be able to, I think can be a deterrent. Cause I know a lot of power lifters that can't uh -huh. do, actually, I know, I know some power lifters that can't do any of those. Josh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're at three push-ups. It's okay. I'm getting there. Yeah. All right. So that that's that's a good point. Striving to be able to do these things is probably a good idea. So why do you think it's important to be able to do push-ups? You know, it's a strength to body weight ratio. So I think no matter what your goal as a power lifter, if you're trying to get stronger it's always, it's always good to be stronger pound for pound. So I think it's a good benchmark to, to shoot for. What was the question? I, I, I don't even know what you, what the question was there. Why should someone be able to do pushups as a oh, power lifter? Well, I mean, yeah, ben, bench is one of the, one of the power lifts. So I think five right. pushups is a good benchmark to, you know, have a baseline for your bench press too. Right. Um, do you think powerlifters should be able to sit at the bottom of a squat for an amount of time? Uh, for five minutes? I don't think. So what's the reason, I guess? Is it is it a strength mark or is it a being mobile enough to be able to sit uh, in that position? Because anything five minutes to me is like, I don't care about that. Because <laughs> it's not powerlifting. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. I think it's more of a mobility thing. Um, and a long hold like that does start to call on strength in a weird way. And I have seen um, some people recommend like being able to sit at the bottom of a squat for 10 minutes. And I can sit at the bottom of a squat for five minutes. After 10 minutes, I, I my ADHD kind of kicks in at some point. And I'm like, I know. I think B and C go together on this one because both of them are mobility yes so yeah. c being pushing knees out past the toes while squatting yeah i think if you can't do that then you're not going to be able to relax in the bottom so I, i'm assuming that you when you say sit in the bottom of a squat for five minutes it's basically just like relax sit in the bottom is that what you're meaning mm -hmm. or are you meaning yeah. like a wall yeah. sit where you're staying no. at 90 degrees and holding no breaking parallel sitting deep hanging out yeah. at the bottom of a squat yeah so i yeah, I, I put B and C together then. So if you can, you know, I, I think you should be able to hold that for five minutes if you're able to push your toes past your knees. Wait, 
push, push your knees past your toes, <laughs> yes. then you should be able to, yeah, mechanically, you should be able to s- stay down there for five minutes or so. But if you can't yeah. do that, then it's going to be a situation where you're actually probably not going to be able to bottom out your squat because you're, you're mechanically just can't do that. So it's going to be essentially holding that right at parallel or just below parallel position, which is a lot of tension to be maintaining instead of being able to just relax and sit. So that's where I would say it'd probably be much harder for somebody that can't do that. Absolutely. So um, why don't we um, unpack a little bit, the pushing the knees out past the toes while squatting just that by itself. I have seen power lifters who think that they have a problem with their hips um, because they can't get down below parallel without going super wide. So they end up adjusting their stance to go wide to get down, but then finding that that's not very comfortable, but, but fighting that bottom position a lot. And then oftentimes we have found out that it was really the lack of mobility in their ankles. Yeah. So agree, disagree. What do you think about ankle mobility? Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I think a lot of squat issues come from the ankles and so squat, squat issues, but I think also a lot of the mechanics that you see are a direct result of, I guess, where they have to go mm-hmm. in in the short term, at least. And a lot of times that ends up being their long-term solution instead of working on some mm-hmm. of those things, which right. in itself, you know, I guess I don't necessarily even have a problem with that as long as like you understand that you know, you got to that technique because of this. And if it works for you and the ankle mobility doesn't become an issue with any other aspects of your life, then I guess you can technically get by like that. But I think there's, put it this way, increasing your ankle mobility is never going to be a problem. It's never going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. So. uh, And it can help with depth. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Again, going back to that technique thing. So, you know, the super wide stance and, you know, we, the squatters you see that are, you know, kind of more bent over, even if they have closer stance, that's a lot of times because of ankle mobility or lack thereof. And, you know, people that are, you know, having trouble hitting depth or they're always like riding that line. A lot of times, if you just kind of look at them and break it down and you see that they are kind of leaning over further, um, sitting back further with their hips and then you trace that all the way down and you look at the angle of their ankle and it's like, okay, well, A, they just have learned to squat that way and never knew any better. Or B, they learned to squat around their limitations and that's just what they came up with. Yep. Um, well, there was a, um, there's a part of a mobility screen that we used to do um, where we would, you know, plant your heel down and then try to push your, your knee out in front of your foot. And just kind of measuring how far out in front of your foot you could actually get with your knee. And um, we identified a lot of like squat issues with that and people that didn't even realize that it was squat issues. So after that, we kind of started including that in a lot of our screenings. And um, and since then, I've just seen a lot of posts um, about ankle mobility. And there was this really great post from uh, Squat University that talked about ankle mobility, but then it also talked about... Um, he kind of had uh, different body types um, and how differently they squat, like people with short femurs, um, but long calves, how that's going to affect their squat. And he had like this little dummy that he kind of just arranged different body mechanics and showed how differently they squat. 
And it was super interesting. That was like a little steel skeleton type looking thing. Is yeah. That it was? Yeah. I saw yeah. that. I didn't know who did that. I saw that a while back too. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was really good. And, and it, and it just made so much sense. He was talking about the, the, the person with, you know, short torso, um, you know, short femurs is like, Oh, I don't know why everyone hates squats. They're awesome for me. And then the people with long femurs and short torso is like the opposite that they were just hating squat day every day. And body mechanics are body mechanics, but you have to evaluate what you, where you are and then, you know, keep training. Same thing with ankle mobility. So anything else, anything else a, a power lifter should like at a minimum strive for? Honestly, I, like even these things, like, I think they're, I think they're good measures of, like we said, mobility, base level strength or body weight ratio, things like that. But I don't know if we're talking just a power lifter, then really the only thing I really focus on is being able to execute the lift to the standards in a mechanically advantageous position. So if, if that, and I'll be honest, there's lifters on our team that I don't think can do any of these, but it's not, it's not the weak link of their ability to compete and be strong because of how they're built. So if we had somebody, for example, that we'll just use the squat example, if they can't get their toes past their knees, but they have a, you know, really, really long torso or really short torso, really long legs, for example, then that's going to be an issue for them unless they have like a sumo stance squat. So that would be a situation where, okay, then we need to, we need to make sure we address that. So again, I don't have a problem with this being, a, you know, I, I guess I don't like it being something that everybody should be able to do. I think it's something that everybody in an ideal world would strive to be able to do, but don't use that as a reason not to start doing things because you can't do mm-hmm. these, I guess. And, and for some people, like they may never be able to do these things and still can compete in powerlifting at a high level. And I think that's okay too. I, I know of a, uh, a squatter on our team that I, I was shocked to discover the range, the range of mobility. I was like, wow, you actually can squat, but you have no ankle mobility and it wasn't you. So the funny thing about me, uh, you were joking about me earlier. I actually have really, really, really good ankle mobility, but I have issues with my hip mobility and getting depth and things sometimes. And it's not my ankles, surprisingly. Right. That'd be nice to identify and just fix, right? But yeah, no, right. More complex than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still requires work and fixing it, which is my problem you know so i don't know did that answer your question or not and you know this was just avoided it sidestepped it conversation to um start shit while we're you know talking about powerlifting yeah it's all a conversation so our powerlifting situation this week so you're just getting over being sick should you adjust your training at all and if so how yeah I, i think i think where a lot of people mess up is they start to feel better and go back into the gym and they go balls to the wall and everything, you know, feels a little heavy, but they push through and kind of get everything. And then boom, they, they start to feel really bad again, or they just like kind of tank because of their recovery. Your body's not, as you're coming back from being sick, your body's not as 
healthy as it once was. So I think you need to preemptively be careful about how quick and how aggressive you jump back into training. I think you should still train. I think absolutely. I think you should still, if you can go to the gym or, or get a little workout in, do it. And, and a, a, that workout may be, you know, getting out of bed, walking a lap around the house and going back to bed. I mean, it's all relative to, to how you're feeling, but I think anytime you're getting over being sick, like absolutely adjust, you know, probably if you're doing an RPE system, training system, probably drop an RPE or two on your training main lifts and, you know, but that's also relative to how strong you are that day. So that doesn't mean, you know, 225 is normally a nine RPE. So I'm going to, you know, drop to a seven RPE, which would be maybe, you know, 210 or something like that. Well, that 210 might actually end up being a nine for you that day. So you need to actually drop to a seven based on 210 being a nine, you know, so, so it's not just dropping the, the RPE to be able to do the correct weight at the correct RPE. It's actually backing off on both of those, I think is usually, usually the way to go just to ease yourself back in. And I, I think that's where a lot of people I think mess up too, is like, you know, normally they would do 225 for, for a nine RPE. Well, all right, I'll just come in and I'll do two, 210 and it ends up being a nine RPE. Well, yeah, you did the protocol, but that nine is probably not what should have been programmed for a post being sick training session. So either talk to your coach about it and, and adjust it. Or what I usually tell people is just anytime that happens, just I'm giving you the, I give, I give people the green light ahead of time. Like if that is ever the situation, go ahead and like cut one or two sets of your working sets out and adjust your estimated one rep max based on being sick and then drop two RPEs on your main lifts and, and roll with that. If you're not able to get in touch with me before you train just as a default, just so you're not overdoing it. I'd rather you underdo it coming back from being sick than overdo it because that's a good way to, you know, really delay getting back to hundred percent. Yeah. And Hey, it's cold and flu season. It's real. Yeah, it's real. And, and, you know, it, it at the end of the day, you got to look at the bigger picture. Like what, even if you just think about it logically, what is the long-term benefit of even going to, if it's, if you had programmed a nine RPE, even going to a nine RPE right after you're sick and the weights are lower than they should be. I mean, it's going to do for a lot of people, it's going to do two things. It's going to one, make them feel like they're really weak because they really struggled with a nine RPE. That's a lot lower than what they had planned to do previously, which is probably half the people. And then the other side of it is, you know, just the continued stress the nervous system is going to be under trying to recover from that additional stress load after just trying to get rid of whatever sickness you had. So you're you're basically just like asking to get sick again right away or just be in a severe fatigue state for, you know, another week or so just because you, you zapped yourself so hard. So either way is not a good situation. So I would say just go conservative. Definitely adjust. Yep. Definitely adjust. Yeah. I would agree. Don't get sick. Don't get sick. Yeah. That's a simple solution. Just don't get sick. Yeah. Just don't get sick. It's fine. And, and you know, the other side of it too, like even now, like, you know, holidays are coming up, like a lot of people are off work. So in theory, 
they are going to be less stressed. But let's be honest, you're getting together with family, you might be seeing like in-laws. That can be stressful. And sometimes that ends up being, you know, the start of where people start to get sick. And you're probably not eating as well. You know, a lot of people go off their normal diet. So, I mean, there's just a lot of factors that that can sneak up on you. And, you know, I'm not wishing anybody is sick, right? But if you do, you know, be smart about it. Don't just like jump back in and pretend that you're not because that's just going to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've had those places where I'm just like, man, I just don't feel great. Am I sick or am I not sick? I don't know. If you have to wonder if you are, you probably are. And even if you're, yeah, but even if you're not, even if you're not, that is telling you that your body is telling you that, Hey, I'm at the breaking point here of like being overtrained or whatever. So whether you're, whether you're actually sick or not, if you're feeling that way, like that's, that's your body saying, right. Hey, dumbass, like, listen, to me. <laughs> slow down, listen yeah. for once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that I've ever trained when I was sick. Oh yeah. I mean, I think we've all done it. That's, I mean, that that's yeah. the thing looking back, like we, I can say this more confidently now because I've done all the dumb shit. I mean, I, I've trained when I was sick. I've donated blood and then gone and squatted like an hour later and passed out on the floor. Like, I mean, I've done all kinds of stupid, stupid stuff, but you know, it's more of those like, you know, learn from my stupid mistakes, I guess. Oh. And I, I think we need another top five list, like stupid things that Josh has done. <laughs> ne- <laughs> never, ever. What is that? Never, ever. Have I ever something like that? Yes. Right. Never, ever. Yeah. Identify these, uh, which ones here on this list you've not done. And it's all of them, actually. Yeah. That's okay. all a big trick question. Good job. Good job. Well, uh, I think that is pretty much it. Definitely hope everybody has happy holidays, enjoys their time uh, with friends and family. And I guess, sure. are we going to be back? Wait, what? yeah, we'll be back one more time before the new year, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Well, just in case we're not, happy new year to everybody as well. Yes. Happy new year. Howdy ho. Howdy ho. And and you got to watch that South Park episode. Yeah, I didn't watch the episode, but I I Googled it and saw like the little clip of it on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Hanky to Christmas Pooh and he writes Noel and, you know, on the mirror. It's great. Something. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas, Josh. All right. Merry Christmas, Laura. Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Yep. Merry Christmas, everybody. We will see you guys next time. Later. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Powerlifting and Power Ballads podcast, please remember to subscribe and share it with your friends.